this from the book of Acts, chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias has come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went. And entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked his name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Well, you've come on a morning where we're in the midst of a sermon series where we're talking about people worth knowing, different Bible characters who we might investigate and learn about their lives and characteristics about their experience with God and how they have shared that with others and how that might help us in our own discipleship. Now, some would not think Ananias a great choice. He's a minor character in overall Christian history. But even though he plays a small role, I would suggest to you that it is a pivotal role in all of Christian history. But more than that even, I chose Ananias because I believe his story can help any of us who struggle in our own discipleship. As we begin reading the story in the ninth chapter of Acts, we find right off that Ananias is a man living in Damascus. He is a believer in Christ, that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ or the Messiah that God was working through him in a particular way. You might say he was an early adopter of the Christian faith. Christianity is still just in its developmental stages when we get to this point in the book of Acts, really seen by most still as a sect within Judaism. But Ananias, a man of faith, has seen something special, some revelation, he believes in terms of how God is speaking to the world. 
and that through Jesus of Nazareth, now Jesus the Christ or the Lord Jesus or the risen Christ, Ananias believes God is working in the world. You can hear it as we begin to read that he senses in a vision, the book of Acts says, his name being called Ananias, and he responds, Here I am, Lord. He recognizes the voice of the risen Christ. He believes that he is alive and at work in the world. He responds without hesitation when he hears his name called, but then he is given this assignment to go and visit Saul, a persecutor. He's not sure he wants to go. Now he hesitates. Here I am, Lord, he says, but when he hears the assignment, he's not so sure that he still wants to respond so quickly, so readily. He wants to be a faithful follower of Christ, and yet you can hear as you read through the story that he is afraid. This man, he senses God calling him through Christ to go visit and pray for, is one who's looking for any men or women who are believers in Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ, and he's going to throw them in jail. Ananias is not sure he wants any part of that. I think this story describes a dynamic most of us are familiar with in our lives, striving to be faithful followers of Christ and yet finding ourselves hesitant. Taking a step forward, but then often coming to a place in our faith journey where we hesitate. Have you ever had that experience where you felt God calling you? Where you wanted to go all in? You wanted to be a wholehearted follower of Christ and yet you hear a teaching of Christ or you sense a prompting in your own life and you're not so sure. You hesitate some to continue to follow. That's what's happened to Ananias and I think that's what happens for many of us. I've experienced that. I've known many others in the church who have had that same experience. In fact, I've heard some feedback lately that some of you when I make these announcements about uh, the Sistema Orchestra and an opportunity to volunteer or the Compassion Dinner and Worship and there's an opportunity to serve or there's respite care on Friday night and we need some volunteers, that you hear the announcement, then you don't respond in the affirmative and you feel guilty. Have you had that experience? Well, several have told me they have. <laughs> That every Sunday they say, you give us some other opportunity. You're calling for us to serve. And when we don't say yes, we just feel bad about it. Well, let me address that for a minute. First, I want you to know what I believe and what I hope you believe is that you're saved by grace. That you're saved, your relationship with God through Christ is secure because of God's great love for you through Jesus Christ not because of anything you've done or left undone. So whether you respond or not to my invitation on any given Sunday does not question your salvation or your relationship with God. And secondly, we need to recognize that none of us can do everything or respond to all the opportunities that we have to serve 
even through Boston Avenue. We are a large church family. We represent a wide variety of skills and talents and abilities. We're able to do a broad range of ministries because of that. But none of us can do everything that the church does. If you were trying to respond even every day of the week, you wouldn't be able to fulfill all the roles in terms of the variety of ministries that we offer to our church members and to those in this community. But all of us have been given gifts to serve. The Bible teaches that God has gifted all of us and the key is matching those gifts with different opportunities within the body of Christ to share Christ's love with others. But the third thing is, if you never feel like you're responding to God's call, then that's another matter. Not that you have to respond every time, but if you are feeling guilty because you never respond, that's something else. That's really a matter of discernment. Still not a matter of your salvation, but a, a matter of discerning what those gifts are and how you can use them. If that's where you're struggling, then let me or one of the other pastors help you with that. Help you talk through that, pray through that. Let us help you work through that and clarify where you can best serve, where you can best respond to God's call. All of us can serve in some ways. None of us can serve in every way. But together, as the body of Christ, we can do much for the good in the world, for the good within the body, and God can do much through us when we make ourselves available. The key is to discern your role, your particular role in the life of this church or the life of the body of Christ. The key is to learn to distinguish God's voice. Don't get my voice or anybody else's confused with God's voice. Oh, you might hear or sense God's prompting or call through a friend or a neighbor or a Sunday school classmate through me or another pastor, another leader, but make sure it's God's voice you're listening to. That's what this story is clear about. Ananias, here's his name being called. He's being called by name. And he says, here I am, Lord. And he's ready to go, it looks like, early in the story. But like many of us, we get so far and then we hit the wall of fear or some other obstacle and hesitate. As I was reading through this text and working on the sermon, thinking about how Ananias was ready and then a little fearful and not so sure he wanted to go, it reminded me of a story about John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. We hold him up as a great leader, and certainly he was, but he was not without his issues, without his fears, without his struggles. He writes in one place of his journal that one morning he was up at 5 a.m. reading the Bible, studying the Scripture. He went about some other ministry tasks during the day. Then in the afternoon he went to St. Paul's Cathedral and worshipped with those gathering there. And then he writes that he'd been invited to a Bible study of sorts, something popular in his day, these societies that studied the Bible. And he says he didn't really want to go. He writes in his journal that he went, but very unwillingly. 
But then he notes that at this Bible study, at which he had hesitated to attend, he felt God's spirit moving in his life. He had struggled with whether or not he was a faithful Christian. He had talked about being an almost Christian over an altogether Christian. And he said that night in the Bible study, he felt that he did trust in Christ. And he said he had that feeling, and he described it as his heart being strangely warm. We might say he was on fire for God. He says it was such a powerful feeling that that very night before he left that place, he shared with the others gathered there his new confidence and assurance of God being alive in his life and his salvation set in Christ. If you would have heard him that night, I think you would have thought he was full of faith. But the very next day, the very next day, he records in his journal how he's struggling with being afraid. He finally concludes that he needs to read more scripture and consult with other Christians to help him discern the way forward. He says, I want to go, but I'm afraid. And so I'm going to need some more help from Scripture and the body of Christ to help me move ahead. John Wesley and Ananias come to the same conclusion that they want to go, they want to be a faithful follower, but they are afraid. It is not that they do not feel afraid, it is that they do not let the fear dictate their behavior in verse 11 of what we read today ananias says he hears from the risen christ from the lord jesus get up and go but then the next several verses are his objections he wants to have this conversation to say are you sure about that have you heard about this fellow this is what i've heard maybe it's not a great idea christ says oh yes it's time for you to go. And so in verse 17, it's recorded that Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Note that this is no vague feeling of, oh, I ought to do a good deed, or this might be a good thing to do. This is a clear and felt call to go. That's not a huge thing. He's to go to one house and say one prayer for one person. And yet he hesitates. But finally, he feels because of this call of God through Christ, that he must go. And he makes clear to Saul, even though he's fearful of him, that he's there because not that he's decided he wants to be there, but he says, because the Lord Jesus has sent me. He's very clear that he's heard the voice of God through Christ and he's being directed to go. This is good news for us, friends. Because what we can see in this story of Ananias is that even for those of us who hesitate, 
God can and will use us. Even if we're not sure, even if we have stumbled, even if we have backed away, God can still use us and God still wants to use us and God will use us if we will listen for His voice. Big things happen when we trust in God, when we get up and go. What we can never forget that even though Ananias hesitated, he finally felt empowered by this call from God. And so he got up and went over to the house and said the prayer. And we must realize that if we didn't have this hesitating man, Ananias, we would have never had St. Paul. He still saw here later his name will be changed. He will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He'll become the premier preacher to the Gentile world, spreading the good news of the gospel that God has come in this person of Jesus to reveal to the world his great love for each and every one of us. But without the hesitating Ananias, that word through St. Paul would have never been uttered. Let me give you two other quick examples of people who faced fear and yet still acted on what they felt like was God's prompting in their life. One was a woman who went through a divorce and ended up having to move from one city to another. The city to which she came was Tulsa. She had found a job here. She found our church. She came about this time of year and heard me talking about stewardship and making a commitment and that the Bible teaches us to tithe or to give 10%. She says her income was uncertain. She was in such new circumstances. She didn't feel confident. She was afraid to write down what 10% of her income would be. But she says as she pondered it and thought about it and prayed about it, she finally decided that's what she wanted to do. And she wrote down the number that represented 10% of her income as best as she could estimate it for the coming year. And she began to give. She was being careful with her finances and paying close attention to how she managed all that. But then she says a most remarkable thing happened. Out of the blue... She received a financial windfall, if you will. Oh, not like millions of dollars, but money that she had not expected. She says she felt like it was a blessing from God. And so she decided she would use that and give that back to God through this church. Now, it's not magic. You write down 10% on your card. It doesn't mean that you're going to get a financial windfall. But a surprising number of people tell me stories about when they stepped out in faith in terms of their financial giving, how they experienced what they would call a blessing from God. That there was some special provision that had been unexpected in their lives that they did not see coming that came their way when they... We're willing to follow this voice of God, this call of God that they were sensing. There's another woman in our church who was young and single, still in school, working through her bachelor's degree, preparing to earn a master's degree. When a 
set of circumstances happened beyond her control. And it came to her that there was a child in her larger family constellation that needed a parent and that she could be the one to become a foster parent or an adoptive parent of this child. She said she wasn't sure what to do. She didn't feel prepared. This was so unexpected and out of the blue. But after she thought about it and prayed about it, she decided she was the one in this family system to step up and love this child. But she said, I was also unprepared. But she said the United Methodist Circle of Care through their child share program, which is focused on helping people who make decisions about taking children as foster parents or adoptive parents, was right there for her. She said when she began to try to figure out all the things she needed to take care of a child, she realized she was so ill-equipped. She needed a, a car seat and a bed and clothes for a young child. She had none of it. She didn't have the resources to buy it. She said the circle of care folks came right up alongside of her and provided all of those things out of their co-ops that they run through different Methodist churches in the state. She said they were right there and helped her navigate the legal system, all the steps it takes to gain custody of a child in this situation. She said even though she was able to get through all those steps and navigate all those obstacles, after she had custody, she would still wake up in the night and think, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if, I don't know if we can make it. But she said, we did make it. People of faith surrounded us. She says, in those early days, it was chaotic, but something bigger than me helped me make it through, she said. Big things happen when we trust in God. When we get up and go, when we feel God's nudging or prompting or calling in our lives. Listen. Listen. Listen, God may be calling your name.